Welcome to Origin Gates Daily Podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Jessica Wright from Gates of Zion sharing an insight of the day with you. Today I want to talk to you about your identity. Now, my husband and I, one of our favorite things to do at night, once we have all the kids in the bed, we like to watch shows. And this one show in particular that uh, Trey and I love to watch, uh, one of the episodes, or actually a whole season, it was pretty much talking about this, was The Prince. It was, you know, way back, you know, in another time, um, where The Prince was in line to inherit the throne. And he had secretly married the love of his life, and they had a son. Now, no one else knew that. The family didn't know that. And when his father was dying, the mother, who was very, uh, I don't know, you know, she ruled the roost, the mother scrambled to find him someone to marry that had wealth, that had land, that, you know, had that pull. And she found out that he was secretly married and had a son. Well, she had the marriage you know, annulled. She had the marriage canceled, done away with, so that it wasn't there, so that her son could marry someone with position, um, you know, and wealth that would match for him. So she had all that done. The wife was sent to a nunnery. She had to be a nun the rest of her life. And the little boy was sent, I think he was a baby, but he was sent to a monastery. So for his protection, the boy was never told who he was, who his father was, or anything like that. Now, the prince, they found this young woman for the prince to marry. You know, she had wealth, you know, beauty, everything. And the prince was forced to marry her, a woman that he didn't love, but he had to marry her for her wealth and for her land. So when the king passed... It was made way for the prince to become king. And his new father-in-law was ruthless and sneaky and always doing things, you know, behind the scene. And he ended up, the king had a son with his new wife who was believed to become the king. So no one knew about the his first real son that he had. You know, they acted like it wasn't even real. The marriage never happened. You know, and there was the true heir to the throne that was sent away to a monastery and not even told who he was. Yet now he is, you know, married, he is king, and they have a son. And so it's, you know, that's who supposedly is supposed to become king. So most people did not even know about his the true heir that was in hiding in a monastery. And something that just went off in me, which made me, you know, stirred me about this was any time like in the dialogue and it wasn't even the main part of the show but it was definitely important and leading up to you know something very important in the plot but anytime anybody would see the young man which was the king's first real son he had at the monastery or monastery or wherever they would say who is that or who are you and he would say I am no one and it was just all through. And every time I'd hear him say that, I felt like a punch in the gut, you know? Like, he had no idea. He was told that he was no one. 
So he had to answer to anybody that asked who he was. Um, who is that? I am no one. Who are you? I am no one. And that was his response, which, you know, they kind of made it a little bit comical, but it just really hit me every time he would say that about how he did not know who he was, that he was the true heir to the throne. His father was the king. And here he is. He has no idea who his father is. You know, he has no idea what his true inheritance is. And he labeled himself, as everyone had labeled him, as I am no one. And that's what I want to talk to you today about your identity. You know, who are you? You know, are you listening to the labels that people have put on you? Or you maybe you've put on yourself, but not who Yahweh calls you. You know, we are heirs and joint heirs of Christ. And we are waking up really to who we are, the king priests in this earth. And it is so important that we remember who we are, who Yahweh has said that we are, what our scrolls say about us. And, you know, just thinking about that, thinking about, you know, the the really the king the young man that was really the heir to the throne not knowing who he was it just really kind of made me think about Esther queen Esther and and how she now this is a different take on it of course how you know when she Esther's name is translated into Hadassah which is so powerful and I also have a niece named Hadassah we call Hattie and she is full of fire and spunk. But Esther, her parents died. And it was to believe that her mother passed when giving birth. And her, her father was killed um, during the destruction of the temple. And um, I don't know all those facts. I'm not a professional, so don't hold me to it. But her parents died. And Mordecai was her guardian. Now, they were Jews. They had, you know, escaped, and they were living in a country that, you know, was not their homeland. They lived in Persia under the ruling of King Ahasuerus. Now, the part of Scripture, it's, you know, Esther chapter 1, it's talking about how the king had um, a banquet where they celebrated for forever, for days and days, and when he was drunk, he summoned the queen, Vashti, and, you know, wanted her to come before everyone and just, you know, flaunt her beauty, and she refused. And because of that, of course, it offended the king, and his advisors told him, you need to make an example of her, because if you let her get away with refusing to come which I'm sure was offensive to her and how she was being summoned. So, I mean, I applaud her for that. But his advisors were telling him, then you need to make an example because then other women will rise up. You know, people won't respect the authority whenever, you know, they're summoned, even by in their own homes, but from their husbands. And so he, you know, banished her. It, um... It's even rumored that she was beheaded. I'm not sure. But she was stripped of her title and was no longer queen. So the king 
wanted to search for a new queen. They, his advisor said, you know, we will go and gather all the beautiful virgins um, across the empire, you know, to present to him so that he, you know, can find a new queen. And Esther was one of the beautiful maidens that were taken. Okay, so they were gathered into the harem in the citadel of Susa, which was under control of the eunuch Haggai. Now, just bear with me on my pronunciations. I'm just reading in English. Okay, so, all right, so Esther, she found favor, you know, she had favor with Haggai, and she had favor with him, and they all went through this process of, you know, being anointed with oil, and it was like, Forever, for months, they were saturated uh, to be prepared to come before the king. Now, Mordecai would visit her daily, and he would give her instructions and tell her, don't, don't reveal your Jewish origin, and, you know, just to protect herself, because they were in a Muslim place, and they were Jewish. Okay, so... When Esther came before the king, he was struck by her beauty, and she found favor in his sight. Everything was, you know, eventually ended up becoming her becoming queen. So the king went on to marry her, made her the queen, and sometime later, a few years later, Mordecai, who he, he hung out by the gate, he discovered... Um, that some of the king's chamberlains were plotting to kill him. They weren't happy with what the king was doing and all these things. So Mordecai let Esther know to tell the king, you know, who was plotting against him. So Mordecai found favor in the king's sight because, hello, he helped save his life. Meanwhile... I'm just giving you guys the summary version of this, and I know you know this story, but it's so good to rehearse and remember, because that's what we're doing. Haman, the Agagite, was elevated to the topmost position in the court, and he was made the king's viceroy. It was a decree passed by the king that all should bow down before Haman. Okay, so Mordecai, he refused to bow down. Because he was only bowing down to one, the only one. It infuriated Haman, and he decided to kill Mordecai, as well as all of the Jewish exiles across the Persian Empire. A little dramatic, okay? So he's full of it. He wants everyone to bow down to him, and Mordecai has refused, so all the Jews get punished. So Haman obtained the king's permission to execute this plan. An imperial decree was issued across the kingdom to kill all Jews on the 13th of the month. After Mordecai came to know about Haman's scheme, he communicated it to Queen Esther and asked her to reveal her Jewish background to the king. Now, she's afraid of coming because she's coming before the king. He has not summoned her. Anyone that came before the king unsummoned, his head would be cut off. So she asked Mordecai to to ask the Jews to fast for three days. And then, after three days, she would go before the king. So, on the third day, she went to see the king. She went before the king, and the king stretched out his scepter to her, which is a huge deal, assuring that she would not be punished. She then invited the king and Haman to a feast. At the time of the feast, she invited them to another feast. 
the following evening. Meanwhile, Haman was building the gallows to hang Mordecai. The king could not sleep that night and recollected, hello, Holy Spirit, recollected Mordecai's efforts in foiling an assassination plot against him. When Haman appeared before the king to seek permission to hang Mordecai, the king asked Haman how he could honor a man who had been of great service to him. Thinking that the king was talking about him, Haman advised that the man should be dressed in royal robes and the crown of the king mounted on the king's royal horse and glided around while a herald called, See how the king honors a man he wishes to reward. Well, obviously, Haman was horrified and totally taken back when the king instructed him to do this for Mordecai, which that'll preach in and of itself. So, the following evening, when the king and Haman attended Esther's second banquet, the king promised her to grant any request that she made. This time, she disclosed that she was a Jew and that Haman was plotting to kill all Jews, including her. While the king left the room out of fury, a horrified Haman threw himself at Esther's feet out of desperation. At this point, the king entered the room and thought Haman was making a sexual advance on, on Esther. The outraged king then ordered that Haman be hanged in the same gallows that later had prepared for Mordecai. Haman was hanged accordingly. Now, what a crazy, powerful story. You know how... You know, Yahweh's faithfulness through all of this, the favor that Esther had, the favor that Mordecai had, and how, you know, Holy Spirit woke up the king in the middle of the night, you know, reminding him, helping him remember what Mordecai had done. All of this to say, Esther could have, in the beginning, identified herself as no one. She was out mother, without father. Her circumstances weren't the best. Instead, she ends up becoming queen, a queen that was able to save her people. She had a voice for her people in a foreign land. She became a queen in a foreign land. I challenge you today to know your true identity, to not let anything label you. We have in, in the United States, there's some crazy labeling going on and there's riots, there's just just ridiculous things, and it's starting to happen worldwide. But we are not identified as, I am not identified as black, white, brown, red. I mean, in fact, I'm polka dotted. I have freckles. <laughs> and that is not who I am. I am a king priest. I am a daughter of Yahweh. And I know who I am, and that is what is important. I know what he has written. I'm learning what he's written about me in my scroll. And I challenge you to find your identity in that and who you are in Yahweh and what he says about you and not what anyone else says about you. Have a wonderful day. Shalom.